week's Cloudcast is brought to you by Momentum SI. Whether you want to migrate applications to the cloud, transform to enable DevOps, gain insight from big data, or accelerate your agile development, Momentum SI's strategy, consulting, and hands-on expertise can help you get there faster and with greater success. Check them out at MomentumSI.com. And now, on to the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another episode of The Cloudcast. Um, Brian's not with us today, but we have two great guests. But first off, um, a quick thank you to those who have already donated to our uh, 2015 Christmas Cream Run. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, we actually have a lot of new listeners here recently. Um, we are raising money to benefit the North Carolina Children's Hospital. Uh, all of the money goes straight to them. Um, and it's through a race, the Krispy Kreme race. Brian and I have the pleasure, and that's in air quotes, of running five miles and eating a dozen donuts all uh, in about an hour. Um, and we're doing it all for, again, to raise money. So if you want to help out sick kids in North Carolina or just want to support the show uh, and, and support this crazy annual activity we do, uh, head on over to thecloudcast.net and click the link in the top right and head it over to the donation page. And again, thank you, everybody. So that's out of the way. So this is our first show of 2015. Um, new year, new resolutions. But some things just never change. Um, I did the show prep uh, within the last 15 minutes, and we've been trying to schedule this show for, I don't know, months now, right, guys? Um, <laughs> At least you do show prep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So tonight we, we want to talk about um, machine data and operations. And so with that, we have Hal Rottenberg from Splunk. How you doing, Hal? I'm doing well. Um, I, I'm actually really pleased uh, to be on the show. I'm, I'm a fan. Awesome. Yeah, you hit us up a long time ago, and you're like, dude, I want to help out. And we're like, I know, I know. And it's completely our fault. We apologize. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I think if I recall correctly, I actually offered to be a co-host. To, That's right. I, I know you guys are back and forth between yep. traveling and all that stuff. And I was like, hey, just any time I can pitch in. And that's that's actually part of the plan for for 2015. While you're talking about that, we're actually <laughs> probably going to expand out because we are very quickly becoming bandwidth challenge between Brian and I. Um, <laughs> Where is Brian? So Brian is probably recovering at this point. I don't know. There's a lot of football yesterday. He just didn't make it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lazy bum. I know exactly. No. And then the other guest is is Josh Atwell. So that that was the laugh you heard there. So Josh and I currently we work together at Solid Fire, but. But Josh is kind of in this automation space, orchestration space, has a very extensive history with Splunk. So we wanted to bring him on and have him kind of talk about his personal experiences with Splunk. So how are you doing, Josh? I'm doing very well, Aaron. I'm and also recovering from some football yesterday. He's recovering from some football and literally may have to drop the podcast at any minute to go. His, well, his wife will have go have a baby. Um, so we're going to ask you, you know, your questions early, just in case you have to drop, right? <laughs> That's completely fair. Yeah. I think, uh, I think at this point, everybody's ready for the, for the baby to arrive. And so we're, we're, we're doing exactly that. It's, uh, you know, uh, the waiting is the hardest part. Tom Petty, <laughs> Tom Petty had the right of it. Yeah. Without a doubt, without a doubt. So, so Hal, tell us, okay, first of all, a little bit about yourself and your experience, because, Josh and I have known you for for years now, and 
you've kind of made this transition, if you will, from kind of the, a lot of us have from this virtualization community and, and very VMware focused into a lot of new areas. So kind of give us a, you know, brief history of, of what's going on and how you got to where you are. Sure, sure. So uh, let's see, I guess I started IT, you know, back in uh, late 90s, and I was in operations uh, doing a lot of uh, starting the help desk and system administration, systems engineering, architecture, monitoring, um, all that good stuff. I worked for HP, IBM, Home Depot, and, uh, you know, so I was was well into uh, doing IT for a living, you know, carrying a pager, all, all that stuff. And then a friend of mine approached me with an opportunity to go work for Splunk, and uh, it would not be NIT. So that was going to be a big change. (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) It turned out to be a a very welcome change. So in 2012, I joined Splunk uh, in the business development organization, which was also different. I never done business development before. Uh, it, it wasn't on the business side; it was on the technical side. So I was, uh, it was basically a solution architect. But instead of working with customers, I was working with partners. Hence the that's what the business development side does. So nice. that that's kind of uh, led me to where I am today. Uh, but yeah, before that, I was all VMware for for you know a few years prior to that at least. Uh, you know, uh, doing a lot of Power CLI and wrote a book and you know blogging all that stuff. Yep. Uh, so it's been a lot different. I mean, I still every every time I I do have the chance to make it to to VMworld, uh, all my all my friends are still there. But you know, it's like it's like I'm not I'm not in it day to day anymore. So that that took some getting used to. You missed the pager. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. I totally totally missed the pager. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, we all do, right? I <laughs> I definitely had one way. And it, it, the funny thing is, too, is is there'll be folks now that'll be like, "What's a pager?" Oh, jeez. <laughs> did y'all have the um? Did y'all have the two way uh, Skytel? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Those that was the awesome. only way the help desk could get hold of me back in the exactly. day. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yes, I'm awake. Uh, acknowledge, you know, ticket three two seven one three seven. So, oh boy, that brings back memories. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about. Just kind of machine data and operations in general for a little bit. Um, you you, you kind of this became both the day job and, quite frankly, has been kind of a passion for you over the years. And so, tell us a little bit. You know, for those that are kind of new to the topics, and and when we say machine data, they may or may not know what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, kind of give everyone the the high level, and then like, why do we care? Okay, okay. Before I do that, I, I neglected to mention that back in October of 2014, I changed jobs. So I should mention that I'm no longer business development. Now I report to our uh, chief strategy officer in the uh, – basically, I'm, I'm a developer evangelist. So uh, my job is, is outreach, education, those types of things. Um, the audience is kind of towards the developer side, um, which, is, which is new to me because I'm, I'm not a developer. Ask anybody at the – Trust me, they'll tell you that I'm not a developer. But I've always been in the middle. I didn't know what the middle was. I didn't know that the middle was DevOps until I got there. But um, I was always one of those guys that, that could translate uh, business requirements and, and you know speak with the development team and and uh, you know address them uh, you know address the, the tools that made uh, you know operations and development work together. You know bug trackers and, and those kinds of things. So um, so my job today is different than it was when I started Splunk. But um, it, it is all about um, taking what we do. It, it, you know what it is? It's, it's about being excited about what I do. That is my job is to be excited about what I do. Cool. And what's Which your I, title? 
the Lorax is is what I put on my business card. That's that's what I put in Twitter and all that stuff. So I, I you you both have kids. Uh, Josh, I know you know what the Lorax is, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, Absolutely. Aaron. Okay. Yep. yep. So for the three people who, well, I don't know how many people. I don't I don't know the demographics of your podcast. I didn't. Uh, for those who don't have children, don't have Dr. Seuss, you know, well into their brain, the Lorax is a story uh, about uh, it's it's a little bit little bit uh, environmental connotations here, but but for the purposes for my purposes, um, there's a character called the Lorax, and what he says in in the book is I speak for the trees, and what what that meant to me though uh, is that. I speak for the developers, so I like to be kind of the the representative of uh, folks who are building on Splunk, who are you know, making this um, ecosystem. I'm their representative. I'm going to champion their causes. Anyway, no, let no, me no. get back to machine data. Yeah. So, so yeah, do that, and then actually, uh, you know, we'll sidetrack onto that again later on. <laughs> yeah, no that's actually a really good, relevant topic today. Absolutely. So, start with start with machine data, and then we'll head back to the whole developer evangelism thing. Okay, cool. So there is, uh, you know, there's like a there's a Gartner definition of machine data, and then there's a, you know, what, what does this mean to me kind of thing. So um, machine data is a subset of big data, um, and this is something that is, um, we'll see, high velocity, um, high high variability, and there are one or two or three other V's, and I don't remember this morning because it's it's early and I have not yet had all of my coffee, um, but high velocity, high variability, so. What this means is this is um, data that's generated by a machine as opposed to Word documents. You know, the things that you've got in Google Drive, those are human-generated. It's all data, but it's not machine data. Machine data is going to be things like logs. Um, you, know, uh, you know, you've you got a, a Java VM, you know, JVM, and it's uh, generating some, you know, stack dumps. You've got a .NET application, and it's writing to, uh, you know, its application logs. You've got uh, an Apache server, and it's got the access logs, so on and so forth. Uh, network devices, and they're writing syslog events. That is one type. Um, you've also got things like um, metrics. So uh, if you're you know, um, monitoring performance, for example, and you've got your, your Windows uh, perfmon stuff, you've um, got things from, from top and PS and VMstat and, and uh, Linux or Unix, all that kind of stuff. Those also fit into this category. Uh, and there's a few other kind of kind of high level things. Um, you're you're seeing this a lot with um, the Internet of Things and the Internet of Everything, where you've got data coming from everywhere, and it could could be you know it could be sensors, you know those kinds of things. That's also part of machine data. Um, emphasis on um, variability, though. This is this is not structured data that you could fit into cleanly into a you know a SQL database, right? This is unstructured data. You need something a, a more flexible to be able to to handle, track, ingest, analyze, um, you know, data that could look like anything. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so I see a few different use cases here. I mean, there's obviously there's troubleshooting, there's monitoring, there's real time visibility. Um, yeah. And so, like, when I think about stuff like that, there's almost, like, two ways to be, uh, I'm kind of using air quotes here, popular, right? Um, there's there's a scenario that, that attracts folks to, to Splunk or, or really any kind of machine data analysis, if you will, initially. And then there is the, like, the real-world use cases, the non-sexy stuff, Um that actually like makes people's lives better, whether it's developers mm -hmm. or operations. And so it's like, you know, one of them brings the boys to the yard 
and the other one actually like generates revenue and is an ongoing thing. Are they like the same here? No, or, they're they're not the same, but the data different? is often the same. Gotcha. So um, I'll break this down into three different high-level categories, um, and usually you know immediately which one you're going to be in when you're thinking about tools that collect and analyze data. Um, so security, okay? I'm watching my firewall logs for for traffic and patterns that are out of the ordinary. I want to know um, if if there's a lot of blocks, you know, coming through to my firewall. Where are they coming from? Is this some sort of you know? Uh, distributed denial of service type of thing. So that's one uh, high-level use case is, is um, working with security because all, all data does have security relevance uh, to some extent. Um, the, the next category is going to be IT operations generally. So keeping the lights on, troubleshooting, um, you know, reducing your your downtime, uh, you know, increasing your uh, what do you call it RTO. You know that you, you want to get things back to normal in as quick as time possible. And you need to find the root cause that what led to the you know to the outage. Um, so, and this is usually where a lot of people start. They have um, you know a farm of servers and, uh, with lots of different types of data, and they've realized okay, I in order to determine to, to not just to monitor, not just the up and down state of things, but to really understand okay, something's down or not performing well. What changed? What led to this? In order to answer questions like that, you have to have data from all these multiple sources. So, um, you know, each computer could have easily have a dozen different, you know, source types. Um, I, I would call them Splunk. That's a that's a keyword in Splunk, a source type. Um, easily a dozen different source types on on every system. Um, and then, you know, for every you know system in your environment, and and it's not even you know I say system. I don't mean that specifically as servers. It could be any kind of device. That could generate data, um, but that's usually where people start. They're, they're gather all this into one place, so and give me a tool that I can then search across that data and make some useful um, analysis and and you know trending and capacity and and all that good stuff. Um, that's category number two, uh, and probably the most popular, or at least where people start. Um, category number three is is business intelligence and web intelligence, and. And this uh, crosses into some other sectors, uh, you know, like like BI with you know the acronym, but it's different in the sense that the type of data that we're working with is different. Um, BI, you're you're connecting directly to your perhaps to your production databases, and you're analyzing the um, you know the business objects that flow through that. When I talk about what what one might use a tool like like Splunk to do BI use cases, uh, you're going to be looking at different sources of data. You're going to be looking at the types of things that I've already discussed, like your uh, Apache web server logs and your, your CRM app, app server logs and things like that to solve similar use cases, but through a totally different mechanism, per perhaps using data that you didn't know had, had value. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And to kind of like make that real world, um, and we promised Josh we'd get to him too. Josh, what did you do? with Splunk like what was your you did a big yeah why pretty, are you here yeah pretty pretty big <laughs> implementation at Cisco you know a couple jobs ago um why did you do it give me a little bit about that yeah that that was a, a fun time in my career I was working at Cisco on their virtualization operations team and you know my main focus was operational manageability which is a really fancy way of saying how can we get everything done with as few people as possible 
So I really focused on you carried tools. a pager, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I was on the I was on the regular team. You know, it's just my my focus outside of you know uh, troubleshooting was you know writing scripts and integration with tools and things like that, uh, mainly with PowerShell. Well, one day I was looking at Splunk and I said, you know, I think I could replace a lot of my reporting scripts that I've written by just collecting this data you know, as we go and creating dashboards. So presented it to my manager and he says, yes, you, you should do that. You know, we have some Splunk licensing and we haven't been utilizing it as well as we'd like. Uh, go and learn about it. So I go and learn a little bit about it. And about three weeks later, he says, okay, now this is what we need. We want a globally distributed Splunk environment where we can collect all the information for all the machine data and IT into a central location and make it accessible to all the operations teams uh, and, and, so, and this, so this was, was a small request. <laughs> this yeah, was so Cisco. <laughs> this was Cisco, exactly. And you know, uh, you know, globally distributed is 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 an understatement of epic proportion. Um, now, now, can you say like like server counts and device counts and things like that? Is that cool? Uh, you know what? I, I'm not going to. Uh, we'll just definitely say into <laughs> well into the thousands upon tens of thousands. Um, you know, I I, I learned early on that. Um, Quoting numbers isn't really a good idea because they buy licensing too. So uh, it's as it's as big as you think it is. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. What kind of servers do they use? HP, right? Dell. Uh, they 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 did. They used <laughs> HP up to a point, and and then um, they decided to switch to some new uh, new server startup called uh, Cisco UCS. <laughs> but uh, you know, primarily we 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 were looking at a couple of different things, right? We cared about scaling grep. Um, and you know, I think this audience knows what grep is, uh, but grep doesn't scale, right? You have a thousand uh, ESXi hosts, or you have a thousand Linux servers. You know, grep can only do so much for you, and and it's you know, it's not that grep can't get the data; it's getting through the data and parsing it is a, uh, um, it's an art. Um, and then you know, we are also trying to be a lot more proactive to where if we identified an issue. We said, okay, what what was it that we could see in the data that led to this issue? Can we create a report and notification on it and prevent that issue in the future? Or at least be able to be considerably more responsive to that issue. Uh, and then, you know, finally, we're looking for finding inefficiencies, right? So if we found in in an application or if we found that things weren't running very smoothly, um, we could identify that root cause a lot easier and be able to remedy it. And, you know, that last one is what really paid the bills because we could apply it to various Cisco.com, which is like the key, you know, application at Cisco. We could apply that to Cisco.com application logs and you start improving that user experience. That starts meaning money to the business and starts, you know, uh, improving, you know, what you're delivering out to customers. So it was, it was really interesting how, you know, our implementation was, being used quite broadly. It started out just with Cisco IT, but there was a lot of value throughout the environment. And if I can kind of add on to that, I, I know this wasn't your area, Josh, but it's it's uh, well known in some circles that that Cisco also uses Splunk for uh, their C cert uh, security incident repo- response team. Yep. And this was uh, they they used Splunk before anybody else at the company did, and uh, they they are they're great. They they'll speak for us at our conferences and and we'll speak at theirs and and all and all that good stuff. So if you go to um, uh, 
you know, if, if you go to Cisco.com, for example, so maybe Josh's team was analyzing the application server logs, but the CSER team uh, were, you know, in front of that, the load balancers and the firewalls and the edge routers and all that stuff, they were getting data, um, you know, that relates to that connection attempt, uh, you know, and things like that. And, and this was uh, something that they've been doing across the in, entire c- company, you know, to manage the security posture uh, with Splunk. They've been doing that for, for years. Yeah, they they were actually a wealth of information for me, you know, given that my my uh knowledge of Splunk going into this uh, ask and this project was minimal. Um they were a huge huge help to me in understanding the architecture cuz I architecturally built Splunk very very different than the way they did and actually contrary to how Splunk had recommended that I do it. So How they, dare you? <laughs> Yeah, I was I was virtualizing Splunk before virtualizing Splunk was cool. Oh, hipster, VM hipster. Yep, exactly. <laughs> now, now let me ask you this then: If I'm gonna, you know, I'm kind of tying together a bunch of threads here. So, how um, you you kind of almost said it too, like you almost were in DevOps before DevOps was cool, or before DevOps even really became DevOps, and you knew what DevOps was, right? And and you've since moved on to this kind of developer evangelism role and, and Splunk, we tend to talk to a lot of relatively new startups on the show, you know, so, so Splunk by that standard actually is, is a decently mature company um, and probably has like grown up and changed over time as well. I certainly see that in the product portfolio of Mm -hmm. like, like Splunk enterprise on AWS, for instance, or, or hunk, um, you know, basically Splunk for Hadoop and, you know, where Splunk started, where versus Splunk is today, you've seen a lot of those transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, like, tell us a little bit about what you've seen of, of DevOps and, and in the development community specifically over time and the way that that, um, you know, Splunk kind of either helps out or like common use cases or reasons why developers care. Sure. So first I want to make sure that people understand that Splunk, it can scale to the needs of Cisco, but uh, it, it we do have customers of all sizes using it. So there, there's definitely, um, you know, it's it's not something that, that only the, the largest of enterprises, uh, you know, get any use out or can afford or, or that kind of thing. So it's really, you know, what, what you want to get out of it. Um, but yeah, the, the company has changed. Um, I don't know how, how old we are now. How old are we? Seven, eight years now? Some, something like that. <clears throat> I guess I need to go check out the, the latest corporate presentation where those numbers like that are shown. Um, but yeah, the company's, uh, I think it was under 500 employees when I started, and now we're over 2,000. Uh, so the company has, has grown a lot, uh, went public in 2012, not too long after I joined. So I, th- I think, I guess, I guess we were a, a startup when I joined, uh, but but very soon after, it was, it was something much different. Um, thinking about how how developers use Splunk is um, so, so the the types of data that you send to to Splunk um, and and where those things come from it, it's going to be a, across a, a wide range of, of different groups and teams at a company and uh, you know sometimes uh, you you might be working with a monitoring you know group uh, and they're going to kind of source everything but but that's not always the case sometimes you're going to be going to each individual tier and you're going to say okay. Uh, storage team, I need some you know logs from you. Uh, network team, I need some logs from you guys, and so on and so forth. Um, depending on the the uses of the company and what what it is they're trying to get out of um, a tool like Splunk, uh, at some point it's going to be 
okay, developers, you know, we make an app, we do in-house development, um, send, your, uh, send the logs for all of these custom applications that we've written, send those to Splunk. And if, if the company, if the uh, organization is um, pretty mature in terms of um, applying DevOps types of um, methodologies, this is not a big deal. If they're not, sometimes that's a big deal. Sometimes getting access and um, just kind of um, understanding the needs, right? You know, so so if you get all this information in one place, then it, it sort of enables a, a self-service culture around IT. So it's not just a, a tool that you would put in front of the help desk and a tool that you would put in front of the, uh, you know, the, the the IT ops guys. This is a tool that you could put in front of anybody in the company if it's got data in there that's relevant to you. You can get some use out of it right away and sort through and all that stuff. So we do find definitely that the developers um, are, are much the same way. And so once you've got easy access to your logs, um, you know, th- there's there's going to be logs in there that the nobody but a handful of developers at at a you know at a, at a company would know what what these things mean, right? So it really does some in some ways Splunk can kind of help to pull. Uh, pull down those barriers between silos. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really kind of, um, you know, sharing this information um, because I can write a report. I can do some searching through some data, solve a problem, or find some interesting trend or something like that. Like that. And I can share that with a URL. I can paste that right into an email or I can generate a report uh, and, and that kind of thing. So it, it really kind of helps to, to break down some of those barriers of, you know, before where it was, okay, uh, we've, we've got a problem. Let's open a ticket. We need to get access to these logs. We need to open another ticket and wait for that, so on and so forth. So sometimes that 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 process, that workflow of of getting access to data and then making use of it and making sense of it for humans, um, you know, it's that's a that's a pretty important culturally, you know, lesson to learn within a company. So and that's that's definitely uh, fits w- uh, in my mind fits within what what uh, DevOps is all about. Cool. Yeah. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, if I could interject, I'd also yep. say that one of the things that I found uh, from you know the, a, a DevOps uh, you know, environment or culture, you know, the concept of trust and blameless, you know, IT or blameless mm-hmm. development. Uh, Good one. Splunk, Splunk really helps with that because you don't have to feel like you you know you, it, it gives you an opportunity for greater transparency, right? You can say, oh yeah, all right, we found this issue, we see what's going on. We see how to address it. We've identified the other locations where this issue may occur, you know, it, within the log data, and you, know, you you don't have this lone wolf person feeling like a martyr or feeling like they're the ones that have to solve all the world's woes within their within their ecosystem. You know, you have the data there to back it up and to understand whether or not you know that's an actual issue, whether or not there's action to be had on it. Um, you know, and and everybody is working under with the same data. Right, and you can take that data, provide uh, a lot more visibility into what you're doing to, you know, help build that trust because you, it's full, tra- fully transparent. Yep, yep. Now, again, kind of going back, you know, back to the, the yeah, what it's been a few years ago, and then where we're going in the future here. Um, so we are seeing certainly an increase in in. DevOps and the amount of mentions you get of DevOps and, and where folks are going and, and organizations really wanting to change towards a DevOps kind of culture. And even then you take a step further and you go, okay, microservices, right? Um, and 
how has um, this this kind of change in culture and this change in mindset and even this change in like how basically fundamentally how I develop applications in an organization, how has that changed kind of what you are seeing, Hal, in this space? And, and have we like reached a tipping point or will we reach a tipping point? Like get, take out your crystal ball for a second kind of thing. And then I'm sure Josh has an opinion of this. Cause you know, I know he does cause we've had beers over this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so go so, ahead. I guess how first. So we're talking about back this up. I, w- I was, I was busy messing you up by, by editing the show notes and I, I lost the train of thought. Oh yeah, so so it was just really this this kind so, of so so really I, I kind of screwed myself, didn't I? Yeah, was, see, <laughs> I, I managed to get through it, dude. No, I'm a pro. No, um, so it, this kind of DevOps and and microservices architectures coming up that that the architectures are fundamentally changing. Of course, the workflows are changing, the operations are changing. Do you see that a lot today? I mean, it seems okay. to be what everyone's talking about, but yeah, and and do you think we're going to reach a tipping point of like this is the new normal? I would say to an extent, I would say yes uh, to the answer to your last question about the new normal. Um, and and I've, I've, I've listened to and participated in a lot of conversations and, and talked with some developers about uh, – and, and shoot, heard, heard some podcasts on your show about this topic of, of microservices. <clears throat> and I think that you can't do things like that. You can't break your architecture up into tiny little pieces like that without having a great sense of what's going on in each of those areas. Um, it it lets you iterate. It lets you um, uh, you know kind of kind of pivot on a fly with regards to the changes and, and the velocity in in your infrastructure and, and and how you kind of go about it. But you really you have to know more in order for that to be successful. So uh, you, that means you need to collect more information about the environment. So so instrumentation is going to be very key. Um, getting data about um, you know, number of defects or number of um, faults or number of pieces in the infrastructure that are that are changing and how they're changing, how often they're changing, and uh, you know, really to to put that on a on a big chart on a wall, you know, during a uh, you know some sort of a, you know a postmortem or something, and and analyze. Okay, guys, um, we just did our our second uh, deployment of the week, and uh, you know, here, here's what the environment looks like. And, and here's what we need to change in our next sprint. Those types of discussions, um, you've got to have data for that. So in order for uh, you know to, to break these things into smaller pieces, like you're talking about, um, you know you have to have a tool where you're we're doing the collection of all this data in one place, so you can make those kinds of uh, you know decisions and make them intelligently. Yeah, and you can think of it this way: like the way I've always thought about it is. If you're going to do something as as fundamentally simple as breaking it into smaller pieces so that you can go faster, well, you know, you've become a needle in a big haystack to a needle in a thousand haystacks. Mm-hmm. And and so you still need some way to aggregate all of this and get a big picture of you and figure out root cause analysis and some of these other things that that are fundamental operations that you, you can't go around and go, okay, which little piece just broke? Exactly. Exactly, and and there's 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 tools that lend themselves to that, and and there's there's monitoring tools. I mean, there's uh, you know, show me if my my web server is up or down, uh, and then there's the tools where you can kind of apply a a, a big data mentality, uh, or where you can kind of go outside the box and say, I've I've got all this data. What does it mean to me? 
uh, and and now let me write um, you know any, anything from you know simple queries to complex algorithms to help me understand what's going on and and then you know build some dashboard that will kind of visualize that for the people that need the uh, you know the fancy charts. Yep, and and how you can do your quote now because it fits now. Oh, oh oh I can do my quote. This is what I messed you up. Uh, well, uh, I, <laughs> I did hear a pause. <laughs> yeah, yep, I was credit. like, what is going on here? Anyway, go ahead. So. Without data, you're just another person with opinions. So this this was um, this was a quote from a keynote from a guy named Michael Connor. He's a he's a great guy, architect at Coca Cola, uh, and he was keynote uh, participant uh, after our CEO uh, at uh, last year's SplunkConf. And uh, he he laid he laid many quotes down upon us, and that was one of them that, that stuck with me. And and it it really it really does make sense. I mean, without data, you're just another person with opinions. Yep, I like yeah. that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I tweeted that one out when he said it during the <laughs> conference. Yeah, because you know I, I I fundamentally see you know, that when you're utilizing something like Splunk to do data analytics and to be able to collect this information. You know, especially when you're in an environment where it's rapid release or, you know, change is constantly occurring, which, you know, let's, let's be honest, it's all environments. You know, the conversation goes from, I think it's XYZ to the data says that XYZ is doing, you know, this, this behavior. Right. right. And, and so what you're getting then is instant feedback to what's going on versus having to then go out, collect all logs, grep it try to find some correlation, you know, when you're using something like Splunk uh, and, and data analytics, that's where well, you get that, that instant feedback. Well, let me give you an example, and, and I'm not going to do it the justice that Michael did it, uh, but this is from Coca-Cola, and they had um, the uh, Coca-Cola rewards programs of various kinds. Um, he's responsible for the systems that, that, that keep that going, and um, – so what what they had was a system that where they could track the the loyalty uh, redemptions, right? So you've got a card and you put it into a Coke machine instead of cash, and you you spend it, and and typically you're going to see they know what to expect. So they they've been collecting this data for a period of time, and then he Michael put it up in put it in Splunk and was showing this to people for the first time, uh, you know, management types, and um, they know what to expect in terms of the average sale. Um, at a, at a point of sale for them, right? You know, a, a Coke costs, you know, a, a dollar, dollar twenty five, whatever it is that that they're ch- saw, selling it for at that at that um, machine. Well, they they put the data on the screen and they noticed that they had a a certain area where the average purchase price was fifty dollars. Cokes don't cost fifty dollars. What they found out was that, um, and 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 they had geolocation on this too. So they were able to drill down to where this happened, and it was at a uh, some some sort of stadium or something like that. Um, what they determined was that uh, people were collecting um, bottle caps um, and basically using them all in in one location. Um, you know, and and it, it was it was a pattern that they had not. I don't know if you'd call it fraud or not. That's not really relevant. But but it was a pattern that they didn't expect, and they were able to quickly see it because they had all that information in one place. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. Another example. Okay, um, I was working with a bank recently, <clears throat> and they've got a mobile app, and they have the ability to find, you, you can open the app and you can say find an ATM, right? And you are, uh, whenever you do that, um, you know, operations within this app are recorded in a server in the data center. 
and that um, it's going to have in that that log in the server of the data center goes into Splunk. And they had not been doing anything with this data before, but they were just kind of exploring it a little bit. And they realized, hey, we've got the, the lat long of people when they do that operation, when they do that find an ATM operation. And they know um, how far away you – know, they know the result, right, what ATM was found and how far away it was. What they were able to do is to um, produce a report that kind of bucketed the results into um, how many results were within, within um, you know, a mile, two, you know, a mile to two and a half miles, you know, two, two and a half miles to five miles or more than five miles, that, that kind of thing. And with that data, what they're able to, to do – and they can plot this on a map too. So what they were able to do is to basically determine where they need to put more ATMs or where ATMs were, were not where people were. If you can kind of see what I'm saying, so th this was interesting. But this was this was a log that they didn't, they had not had a purpose for for this. This was something that they discovered. It was like, wait a second, we've got all this data, and then it took them, uh, I don't know, it took them all of an hour to figure out some of this stuff, you know, hmm. and put make a report out of it. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely not a, not it, it's all like operations in a new way kind of thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, how you highlight something that I think is really important for people to understand when you're looking at this stuff is that, you know, typically you intuitively know that you have the data or that the data exists to solve problems. What you don't intuitively do is realize that your problem, the data's there, you've already got it, and you can do something with it. Like it's it's there for the yeah. for the grabbing, like you know it's like gosh you know I wish we could do better at identifying the right place to put an ATM. Well, mm -hmm. you know let's do surveys. <laughs> you know, yeah, all you're doing yeah. there is saying, hey, I need to go get some data. And it was just, you know good that somebody recognized. Well, you know I think we've already got the data that we need, right? Because you know it, that that I think is what really when you when you start talking about big data. I mean, that is the fundamental challenge with big data, right? Getting data is not necessarily an issue. It's identifying the data that you need in order to solve the problem and and then executing on that data. Yep, agree. Yeah, and, and I, I want to point out that it's not just for data scientists. Um, no, definitely it's not. not. I mean, I, all you have to have is, is an idea of a, of a problem, and then it's a matter of, of like you say, what identifying what it is that, that might have the information that will help me out. And then you need a platform to... to to put your questions into, um, and there's 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 many of them, and I, the one that I like, of course, is the place I decided to hang my hat, Splunk. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, you don't you don't need to be a data scientist. You just need to to have a, a little bit of an outside of the box uh, mentality about it. Yep. Yeah. Well, and on the flip side of that, anecdotally speaking, you know, while at Cisco, I, I was fortunate enough to get an intern assigned to me to help me with this project. Um, now, you know, the you know the merit is this going to be a PG story? Yeah, totally a PG story. Okay, go ahead. But the, but the, but the merit of giving me an, a college intern is probably really, really <laughs> low. Uh, but now, one of the first things I did with him was I gave him an account on Splunk. I logged him in and gave him access to our indexes for Cisco UCS and for our VMware environment. I said, just poke around and see what you see. Uh, within, a, I think it was a half an hour to an hour, he came back with three reports, and I identified three issues that we were not previously aware of, and he knew nothing about Cisco UCS, and they knew nothing about VMware virtual environments. Wow. Was, yeah. And what we were able to then do is take that report, make it a regular running report to where, you know, daily we were running the report and plotting the information. And as we remedied the issue, we saw the number 
of incidence of that issue diminished naturally as you would expect until it was down to zero right and that's you know, nice yeah it was it was really powerful i mean it certainly helped my story in selling to the organization you know the the, the value of of the data analytics um, but the fact that someone who really knew nothing about Splunk, knew nothing about VMware, knew nothing about Cisco UCS uh, at that time, he does now, but who knew nothing about those things was able to get you know, significant value out of the platform. Hmm. Cool. All right, guys. Well, I think we're reaching that end of time. Um, so, Hal, where can everyone find out more about what you're doing online and stalk you and ask you questions and everything else? Oh, sure. Yeah. Re- reach out anytime. I, I love to, to talk about uh, geeky things, uh, whether they're related to Splunk or not. Um, I'm Halor9000 on Twitter. Uh, Hal at Splunk.com if you want to email me about worky, work, work stuff. That's cool, too. And, um, yeah, Splunk on Twitter, Splunk Dev on Twitter as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, just uh, dev.splunk.com. That is a website that I wish to re- refer people to. Cool. Josh, how about you, man? Well, I'm on Google+. Plus. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just Actually, you. I, yeah, yeah. Um, no, nah, you can find me on Twitter at josh underscore Atwell. Uh, you can also find me at vtesseract.com. And, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't plug the uh, upcoming release of the DevOps for VMware Administrators book uh, that I contributed to uh, lead author uh, Tre- Trevor Roberts. Um, and that is available for pre-order on Amazon. Very cool. All right. If you like the show, please tell a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at the Net or on the web at thecloudcast.net, where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have you listened to the other podcasts yet? No, really? There are quite a few shows that deserve your attention, you know. Up to it, then.